You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. everybody, it's the episode 258 of the Pimcron Warhammer podcast, and I'm so happy you're here listening. Today we are discussing two segments, because I don't have any Tesseract mailbox messages. Gonna guilt you over that, you should feel bad. We are covering the new Cities of Sigmar box, and whether or we, we want that or we want that not. And we're also discussing, hey, for the real talk, let's discuss maybe a more narrative way a slightly more realistic way to play Warhammer. And I'd like your guys' opinions on it. You can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or on Instagram, pimcron with only one P. And um, I think it's interesting. I really want to try it out. And of course, if I do try it out, I'll let you guys know all about it and how it went. Plus, James is always up for something new, always something different. He's my homebrew buddy, because a lot of my friends only like, oh, are, are you going to roll for a mission? Are we going to play a mission in the book? And I make something up, and they're like, oh, what mission in the book is this? And I'm like, oh my god. Can you guys not do anything that's not sanctioned solely by GW? Anyway, what have I been up to? I'm just working every single day on Brutality Settlement Mode. Our kids... I think this was not covered last episode. I think we did it right after last episode. I don't know. I'm I'm going to sound completely senile if I tell you this again. So I'm going to say it briefly because I don't know when it happened in relation to last week's episode. But we were playing settlement mode for the last couple months. And um, we've built the town. We've, we've got all these NPCs. We have like eight NPCs. And my kids have grown attached to it and all that. And we did our last battle against our rival boss. And we decided since two of my kids are top level, they're um, max level in brutality, they're level 15, that uh, we figured it was just time to stop and we'll start a new family campaign. And we were all really surprised with how sad we were with the closing of that town you know i was like oh well i guess i'll tear down the town now it was named tin cup is what my kids named it and my uh my middle daughter was like oh no no don't don't tear down the town don't do it with me in here i don't want to see it torn down and i was like oh we were all kind of bummed out to see tin cup um going the way of the dinosaurs so it was really cool i was really happy that uh, it was actually very unexpected that we had that reaction because I didn't expect to go grow so attached to the little people in the town and the way we designed our town and all the effort we put into upgrading it. And it was very, very fun. So that's the end of that era. At the club this week, I actually played Brutality with my friend Connor. We tried out some of the new upgrades. We were playtesting those for the uh, settlement mode. And we have the Executioner, the Speeder, the Ricochet, and the Tactician. And we tried those out and um, just need a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of streamlining here or there. And um, but overall, I think they worked out really well. And we played what was the first game we played? Just a generic game, uh, like the basic mission. But we used all the new upgrades and we wanted to try them out and see how they work. So we tried that out. And um, I believe I won by a point or two. It was pretty close, but I think I, I won that one. And um then we ended up doing a temple run mission from the settlement mode. And I'm obviously using this as playtesting. And the temple run is really not a two-player game, but we made it a two-player game. And basically, think of Indiana Jones um, in the Temple of Doom. 
and you have to go all the way across. You deploy in one one corner of the board, and you have to go to the far other corner, retrieve the artifact, and run all the way back. And um, they, meanwhile, there's boulders rolling at you. There's ghosts that can come out. There's poison darts. There's all sorts of stuff, which is pretty cool. At one point, we had three rolling boulders rolling around the board, which was quite fun. And um, he, Connor was playing the characters, and I was the one controlling the enemies. And it was very, very fun. And he did actually beat that game. So that was quite fun. And then the third mission was another settlement mode mission. And um, basically, one of your NPCs in your town says they need to complete this ritual out in the woods. Please come run interference and protect them while they're completing it. So you go out there, and there's these different altars. And then these demons start popping out of the altars, and you got to save the NPC. They all go after the NPC. And um, that was quite fun, but it was a bit too easy. So I'm tweaking it now to make it a little harder. Um, Balance for other people is always so hard. So what I try to do is I balance it to the point where I myself can win roughly 50% of the time. And that way, it's I I feel like I'm middle of the road because some people will like totally min-max stuff. And that will end up being easier for them. And then other people that are newer to the game are not so good with, you know, like list building or or more specifically tactics, and they're going to get creamed. So I feel like I'm like, you know, obviously I'm experienced, but I'm not like a hardcore min-maxer. So I feel like if it's a 50-50 win-loss rate for me, then that's fairly good. And um, that's what I'm working towards now. And that's basically it. Yeah. And uh, just a side note, me and my wife tried Jamaican food the other night, went to a Jamaican restaurant. I know probably none of you are interested, but it was quite good. I really like Jamaican food. Didn't know that. Never had fried plantains before, but it was quite good. So anyway, that is it. Let's get on with the first segment. Want that or want that not? And this is Want That or Want That Not with the Pimp Crown. Now, you should know by now that I've been a long-time Cities of Sigmar player. Ever since the rulebook first came out, I've loved Cities of Sigmar. And they have new models coming out. So there's a new Cities of Sigmar army set at 200 freaking dollars. Let's see if this is actually worth it. Now, my first gut instinct is that it does come with a lot of extra stuff. It comes with like cards and stuff like that. It comes with um uh it doesn't actually appear to come with the rule book. It actually oh it does come with the battle tome. Okay. So it does come with the battle tome. It comes with the data cards, it comes with the objective cards, it comes with all that stuff. It comes with a bunch of file transfer stuff, which is kind of neat. File transfer. I mean um like uh Legion icon transfer, water transfers is what I'm trying to say, not file transfers. Jeez. Anyway, it's $200 for this box set. And at first glance, I'm thinking to myself, boy, there's not a lot of models for 200 bucks. It really, really, this is probably one of the worst cases I've ever seen of Games Workshop. You know, like when you're a kid or maybe an adult and uh, you were digging into the ice cream in the freezer, right? But you don't want people to realize how much ice cream you ate. So you kind of like mix it around. So it's like, oh, I didn't eat all the ice cream. Teehee, right? You're trying to like fluff it up and make it more than it is left over there. This is what that seems like to me. If you go on the website and look at the Cities of Sigmar army set for 200 bucks, 
these models are spaced out. I mean, these guys couldn't hold a conversation. They're so far apart from each other. It's very oddly arranged. They're not arranged in rows. They're not, it's like all haphazardly arranged. And it just strikes me as very, very odd. And it really looks like they're trying to like fluff it and spread it out to be like, oh, look at how many models are here. But they're, there's a ton of white area in between these models. I just don't know about it. So um, it's got 28 miniatures in it. 28 miniatures for $200. I know the battle tomes in it, etc., etc. But good God, I'm already not buying this price point. Let's like take a look at a couple of these. Uh, this is a character. He might be the new general. I'm not certain. This is all... Th these new models, they look perfectly serviceable. I like the look of them. They look neat. They've got a lot of detail on them. But they all kind of look samey. And like the free guild general used to be able to really tell who he is. And now I'm not really sure which one he is. I think this is this guy. He's got a nice cloak on. He's got a sword. He's got his helmet in his hand. And it looks perfectly fine. I mean, I've seen a million models just like it that are 3D printed or from other companies, so I really don't see anything special about it. And he appears to have some sort of page, and the page is like a, obviously a younger guy, and he's got... GW loves to do this, like where they're going to put like someone's femur bone, I mean, um, like wrist bone in a box, you know, or like a... I don't know, like a radius and an ulna in a box. And they're like, oh, there's a holy relic. Well, this guy's got like a zombie head in a box and a skull on top. I don't know. I, it's just strange. I don't hate any of this by any means. It's just kind of odd. Now we've got one of these people on a giant horse. And this horse is very large. This is not your average horse or the person on it's very small. This is like one of those giant Clydesdale like war horses. This is not your average horse. And um, it's got a lot of detail on it to the point where I'm like, oh, man, I don't think I'd want to paint that. There's so much detail on it. It's got plate ma mail. The plate mail has rims to it. It's got chain mail under the plate mail hanging out from under it. Then on top of the chain mail, it's got metal flowers with four petals in the, in the um, middle part. And it's got them all over the place. And then he's also got what I always hated they did. They got like some giant ass thing on his helmet. I don't know why they did that. His is like a castle gate sticking off his helmet. Or they'd put like a giant griffin or whatever. And that always looks stupid to me. He's also got a flail, which is fine. And um, there's just a lot of intricate detail on this to the point where mm, not... It does not look bad. I'm not hating on it. It's just doesn't. It looks too much, to be honest with you. Then there's a guy that's got like a branding iron. I assume he might be a character. I'm going to look in the description soon. But he's got like a boiling pot of magma and he pulled out this like branded cube. He looks totally fine. If he's a character, good on him because he kind of looks interesting. He's got like this big leather apron on to protect him from the heat. I like him overall. Matter of fact, I think he's more interesting than the general. Then we've got the whole shot of 5, 10, 15, 20. So there are 20 foot soldiers and they are fine. I, I don't, I truly don't see anything special about these. It's two units of 10, right? And they each have a banner and they each have a dude with a um, little box full of trinkets. And 
I'm just not seeing what's so great about these. They're better armored than the old ones, right? When they when they had the free guild guard and all of that, they had basically no armor on. They had some chest armor and that was it. These guys are more heavily armored and they have bigger shields. So I guess that's a thing. I just am not entirely sold on these at all. Then you've got those giant Clydesdales I was talking about. So it's a, it looks like a squad of five of them. And they are just very, very tall and lanky. They are noticeably tall and lanky. But other than that, they're just covered, and I mean covered, in detail. Every one of them looks like they're from a different house. They've got different heraldry, a different color, uh, different shaped shield, different armor patterns. Everything's different, but it's just quite busy, and I don't really see the reason behind it. It's totally fine, I guess. And then you've got the close-up shot of the um, pictures and... Yeah, there's there's plenty of detail to go around for sure. There's a person on one of these horses that looks just awful. I think it's supposed to be a woman. I think. But it's legit like a grandma or someone in a fat suit. Have you ever seen someone in a fat suit who isn't nearly as old? No, no, actually fat suit's wrong. An elderly makeup, like in a movie where they're like, oh, now we're going to depict the main character in 40 years from now. And they've got like, fake jowls that look fake you know and it's and it's you can tell like where's the mask is and where their real face is there's one woman and for some reason i guess they thought this looked cool i don't know who would think that but she's got basically an old person makeup on and she just looks like she's wearing she might be wearing someone else's face is what it looks like because it's all saggy she looks like a grandma i don't know that head Hopefully she comes with a helmet option because that head is not doing it for me. So that's basically it. It is just an unbelievable amount of detail. And I'm not saying that in a good way. I'm saying, good God, that's a lot of detail. It's all the Baroque armor that we're used to for Chaos Space Marines turned to the 10th degree. It is, it is a lot. It is a whole lot. So let's see what they claim is in this, shall we? We've got um one free guild marshal and his relic envoy which is the guy in his page which i originally said we've got one elkamite warforger which is the guy with the pot and that's i i guess that he was probably a character we've got five free guild cavaliers which is totally fine whatever and then we've got 20 free guild steel helms and i'm just not really that interested I mean, I like Cities of Sigmar. I'll still play Cities of Sigmar, right? But, eh, I don't, I don't really care. I really think they could have done something way more interesting with this new look. I do get that it is better than the old one. The old ones had a lot of clothing on with almost no armor. But these are just very meh. I don't, I don't know about these guys. So basically what I'm learning out of this is that I will be able to find some third-party helmets because the old guys didn't have helmets. I can find some third-party helmets and probably third-party shields and then just convert my old ones because I don't really see the reason to get the new ones. They're just not that great, to be honest with you. So the character's okay. He has no motion to him whatsoever. He's got his sword in the ground, for crying out loud. I don't know. Call me not really really enthused by any of this, honestly.
And for 200 bucks, I mean, admittedly, it's probably a fairly good deal because the book will be 50 or so. So that's 150 bucks for uh, 28 models or whatever it is. What was it? It was, um, yeah, 28 models. So then you've also got the cards. The cards are going to be, what, 30 bucks? Okay, so you're paying 120 bucks for 28 models. Eh, I mean, that's, um, what, five, five bucks a model? Something like that? I think it's five bucks a model. I'm going to check and make sure it's five dollars a model. Yes, it's four dollars and change per model. Okay, that's fine. I mean, that's actually a little better than I thought it was. But I have no reason whatsoever to get any of this. I just, I don't think it's great. And these horses are giant. You got to look at these horses. These are cartoon horses. So anyway, this will be a want that not for me. Uh, 200 bucks, I guess, is not that bad of a price when you include everything. But the models evoke absolutely nothing in me. I don't see how they're any different. You could have said, you could have shown me these pictures and said, hey, these are new Mantic um, Kings of War models. And I'd be like, oh, cool. Or you'd be like, oh, look at the new Malifaux models. And I'd be like, well, this is a little weird for Malifaux, but okay. Or, hey, look at these 3D models I got. I printed. I'm like, oh, okay. Nothing about this screams GW. There's nothing about it. So I don't. I haven't even seen any Sigmar symbols on them, which is surprising. The, co the twin-tailed comet. I haven't even seen any of that iconography on here. So it's very, very generic. Uh, I don't hate it. I'm sure some of you will get it and love it. But uh, it's definitely I want that not for me. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey, everybody. Well, it's the Real Talk with the Pentcron. And today I want to introduce to you a new way to play basically any war game. But I'm specifically talking about Age of Sigmar or 40k. It's a lot to do with the scope of how you look at the actual game. Are you a person on the battlefield playing a specific model? No, you're not. It's not like D&D where you're playing a single character in a squad, whatever, right? If D&D were adapted to 40k, that's basically how it would be. You'd be a single guardsman, single space marine, whatever. Then if you zoom out, like a lot of those war games with the chits, the little um, punch-out squares of like, oh, this is infantry, this is artillery, whatever... Um, like the quote-unquote true wargamers, the OG wargamers play. Uh, I think one's called Panzer and a bunch of the other ones. They're typically historical. Very rarely are they like fantasy or something. And they're like, oh, you know, like um, the Battle of Waterloo or the Battle of Gettysburg or whatever. And you've got the little things that you punch out and you're really zoomed out, like really, really zoomed out to the point where it's literally just symbols on a map as if you're a general in the tent and you're looking at a battlefield recreation, and you're you're planning your steps. That's zoomed out way far. Warhammer 40k and Warhammer Age of Sigmar are zoomed in in between those, right? You're not playing an individual person. You're not playing a giant, you know, 50-unit um, zoomed-out type of game. You're somewhere in the middle. You've got 10, 20 units, you know, 50 models on the board, give or take. But one thing that has always slightly irritated me about it, and this is this is actually, you know, irritation is too strong of a word, is something that's always interested me, is that in Warhammer, there is basically no morale. There is no um, 
individual unit characteristics that would make them more lifelike. Of course, when you say there's no morale, of course they take battle shock or whatever, but it's um it's not exactly what I'm talking about. Basically what I'm saying is every unit in real life, let's say you're a commander on a field and you're looking out at your armies, uh, your units will have their own personalities, right? Maybe the sergeant or the gunner or whoever in each unit will be more aggressive or be less aggressive or whatever. Some of them really cautious and some of them are just screaming and running at the enemies or whatever. Well, what if we applied that somehow to regular wargaming, miniature wargaming, to the point where both opponents, they don't have complete control over their units. And I wonder how that would work. Well, let's dig into it. So essentially in the beginning of the game, the way I'm conceiving this, and I would like to try this soon with just James or another friend or whatever. You make your list as you would normally make your list, right? And then you assign a keyword. You could either, you know, really assign it, or you could go by whatever seems natural, or you could literally roll for it, right? Because if you're the commander of this battle, you're not necessarily going to know every single one of these troops individually. It's not really the way that works, right? You're thinking of, uh, I'm thinking more of like a field commander, someone that says, radios to the sergeant and says, you guys run ahead, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Like a slightly zoomed out from number normal Warhammer. And really, if you think about it, it's funny because Warhammer is this way. We are the general and those little people run around the board, but I find these people way too reliable. They do the right thing because we just make them. There's no chance for error. There's no chance for them to not listen to us or a unit gets um, order gets garbled or any of that stuff. Now, I know Imperial Guard used to have rules like where, oh, I didn't catch that or whatever, and, and your or orders would fail or, or whatever. But once again, just like with the morale thing, I'm not really using it in that way. I'm not talking about that terminology necessarily. Essentially, every time that you move a unit and make it shoot and pick its target and all of that, you are supposed to be simulating actually giving them orders and saying, oh, move up to that hill and fire at those orcs or whatever. Well, it would be interesting to me if you gave them keywords and they basically had uh, an AI behavior that was innate to them. Now, I would say that if there is a character attached to the unit, then they would ignore their innate, you know, uh, personality or behavior because, I mean, you've got the ball standing right next to you, right? They're not going to, like, run off or anything like that. But for all the units that don't have a character attached to them, it would be very interesting to me to see how it would pan out. So, essentially, the way I'm thinking of it currently is that we already have leadership roles, right? We already have, um, for the purposes of battle shock and morale, we already have like, you know, a seven up um, bravery or whatever. Well, what if every time you go to activate a unit, you're going to have to roll for their bravery. And if they pass their morale, then they listen to you perfectly and they can move and do every single thing that you want them to do. But if they fail, and obviously if they don't have a character attached to them, and in Age of Sigmar, I suppose like a character within six inches or something of that nature is how that would apply. But if they fail their morale, then they're going to go to their base instinct. So this is slightly like using uh, instinctive behavior, but for all armies, not just Tyranids. The way instinctive behavior used to be that um, 
I don't remember the exact terminology, but like termagants would hide. So they'll run to the nearest terrain feature and try to take cover, but they won't shoot that sort of thing. Well, I feel like that would be really interesting if you did that. I think it would be more cinematic. I think it would be way more realistic, even though we know this is not a super realistic game, but I think it'd be way more interesting to constantly be rolling morale for these people to see if they, uh, if they pass, you know, all of your orders and they actually do exactly how you want them to act. Now, the first way to do that would be randomly, right? You would have a list of like 10 different, uh, traits. It would be like aggressive, which would mean, oh, whenever they fail their morale, they're going to move and try to kill, uh, like in melee, they would try to charge the closest enemy model, that sort of thing. Or it would be like cautious. Well, they may not move at all. They're just going to shoot or something like that. Or taking a hold position or something like that, where they go over to an objective. They try to make their way as close to an objective as possible and sit there. And maybe they'll shoot if someone's nearby, but they're going to stay near that objective. That sort of thing. Of course, you could randomly assign it from that list, but it would be really neat if you looked at each unit and you're like, hmm, and maybe you've kitbashed your models, maybe you've really customized them, maybe you've named them, or they've got a previous history. Like, I, I used to keep a log of every time they did something awesome, they would earn their name, and they'd get a little badge and stuff like that. So, it would be really interesting if you looked at each model, and you're like, hmm, this sergeant, he looks like he's pretty cautious, so I'm going to give them cautious. And then you go to the next one, he looks like he's blah blah blah. And think it would be really, really cool. I think it really would be. And that way you don't have exact control over your army, but it feels like you literally are in the command tent a mile away looking through binoculars and you're like, you know, radio in unit A, go up, take the hill, shoot the orcs, whatever. And maybe the enemy's jamming the signal. You don't have to necessarily say that your Marines or your Necrons were too stupid because they failed their morale. And they're like, duh, duh, what? They're, you don't have to do that, obviously. But you could say that the enemy scrambled the signal or it came in garbled or whatever. And without further orders, they're going to have to act the way they would naturally act. And honestly, I would try to make all of the instinctive behaviors either tailored to the character or random. And the reason why is because if you are literally just taking the instinctive behaviors and it's not based on the type of characters or models you've made, if it's not on a random table so you've got no control at all, people are going to end up min-maxing it. You know they will. Um, if you've got, a, let's say, an artillery piece and you're like, oh, I want it to stand and shoot you know, if it fails its morale, well, then it completely cuts out the whole idea of this whole, this whole mechanic. Now, obviously, maybe... Um, ordnance things like that they would have a different chart because it would be more like fire at the closest enemy or fire at um they would probably fire at the closest enemy i'd assume if they failed their morale and the reason being is that obviously they're going to try to start panicking because they can't get their orders they don't know what to shoot at so then they're going to try to um do that now also uh they would try to save themselves by shooting the closest unit i know i suppose another one on that list could be trying to protect another unit you know like if a unit looks like it's going to be um ganged up on by other units then they're going to start firing to try to protect that other unit you could have a couple different variations there but man i just seem i just feel like that would be so cool and then if you really got into the use of that you really could 
and this is going to sound corny, but you really could give your unit like tattoos or like a bandana or something that makes them look aggressive, gives them, give them like a special knife or something like that. So that when you give them the aggressive keyword, it looks like they're actually aggressive, you know, give them like a trophies of war, like a severed tyranid arm or whatever. And that could look really, really cool. Um, so I would like to know what you guys think about it, because I would love to try this with just James. I might work up these charts and actually do it with him. And then, of course, I'll let you know how it goes. But um, it just sounds like such a fun, fun thing to do. Now, maybe it will end in disaster, but I kind of like the idea that neither one of us have complete control over our armies like you usually do in a game. And I think it adds a cinematic vibe to it, I think. Of course, you know. That's just in theory, but that's what's been rolling around in my head. Anyway, I'll see you guys next week. Thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show, as well as Panhandle3D.etsy.com, and of course, our beautiful, sexy, voluptuous, muscly, rippling Patreon patrons. Thanks so much for supporting the show.